0: That sounds like you're talking about condoms.
1: Testrap podcast number something eight, maybe. Um, today I'm talking with my lovely bandmate and brother in rhythm, Amos Williams.
0: Hello. How are you
1: doing, Amos Williams?
0: I'm cool. It's dark here, and it actually gets really dark here because they turn the street lights off at eleven, and there's no ambient light whatsoever. So it's really dark here. Um, I'm, ge- I'm guessing where you are. It's what two p.m., three p.m.
1: Coming up to two, um, just so that people know what we're talking about. Mm. Um, We, Tesseract, are not a band that like to settle in one place. No, Um, not at all. I am in Austin, in America, in Texas, and you are somewhere in the south of France, aren't you?
0: Not quite the south of France, although we're we're exceedingly close. We're just north of Provence uh, in a part of the world called Auvergne, which is gorgeous. It's on the La Loire River. And it's kind of high up. It's not quite Alp Mountains, but it's it's still pretty cool. And like it was 21, 22 degrees the other day and then it snowed the next day. So it's kind of shows you where we're at. Mm. But it's, it's going to be awesome in the summer. I hope so anyway. Yeah,
1: I bet. Yeah, I mean, I bet you've got some pretty amazing uh, views of the night sky where you are.
0: Yeah, seriously, I can lie in bed and look at, the whole of Orion for for about three hours. It just passes by my window, and it's it's quite cool. The only problem is, either side of Orion, there's quite a gap, so it looks like there's nothing. Then all of a sudden, this dude comes across, shows his belt for you know a few hours, and then he's gone. And then, but it's it's quite something because I've I've grown up in massive mega cities like. And there's never any darkness full stop, so to now be in a point where I can't see my hand in front of my face if I'm walking outside and there's no moon is insane, but it's yeah, it's quite quite nice as well i'm really I find it really interesting, I find it really intriguing and yeah, I, 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 it, it adds a certain piece, which is interesting. I do kind of mm. miss the big city now. It's a bit odd, but I guess I grew up. In yeah, that, you know,
1: this is—I mean, this is the first time I've lived anywhere that is, yeah, really a big city. Because I can, even though I think Wolverhampton has city status, I can tell mm. you it is not a big city. No, no. Um, but going back to what you just said about it being peaceful Mm -hmm. living where you are now I can totally associate with that Um, I lived in Wales for a little while before moving out to Austin and it it was just over the border from Shrewsbury a little tiny place called Crew Green Mm -hmm. and we lived in a cottage there and it was so quiet and lovely but it was almost it was one of those things that for a fairly short amount of time it's really lush. I get it. But after a, well, in our case, nine months, which yeah. isn't a long time to spend in a house that you've bought, mm-hmm. um, it's like, yeah, we've been on holiday for nine months now. Um, and I think I'd really like that in later life. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'd, I'd still honestly go back for uh, a couple of weeks here and there if it was a holiday rental type thing but it there comes a certain piece with living in a place where it's super super quiet and you have got amazing views out of all windows you know it's just endless fields and wildlife and open skies at night no light pollution you can hear running water and that's about it
0: I find, I find it I've found it very inspiring uh, mm. at the same time when I had a megacity outlook as well when I was overlooking the center of Shanghai and just looking at the lights at night. That was also very inspiring. So perhaps it's just having Mm. something outside the window that's unusual or interesting beyond your normal everyday, like a million lights like it is in Shanghai, or a million lights in the sky like it is here. Perhaps it's mm. twinkly lights that I find inspiring more than anything.
1: Maybe. Twinkly lights like a Nocturne video. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now that's going back away. So it's true. <laughs> okay, I've got some questions prepared because I All try right. to do things professionally. So I want to go back, right back to the very beginning with you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so... The first question (laughs) is, what made you choose bass guitar?
0: See, that's an odd one, because my memory of it is that it was kind of a mistake. But then I've got a very precise memory on a lot of things, but sometimes massive details (laughs) like that are um, (laughs) perhaps it's, it's... And perhaps it's a non-truth, but I seem to remember I was listening to things like Guns and Roses in the late 80s. Fuck. You should never, ever be able to have a conversation and say, well, in the late 80s. (laughs) um, James can
1: say in the late 70s. Well, no, he probably can't, but...
0: (laughs) He, he definitely shat himself in the late 70s, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and in the early 2020s. This is true. <laughs> so I remember listening to Guns N' Roses and things like Iron Maiden and heavy metal in the late 80s and thinking that this really cool, as I would call it now, big, saturated, overdriven sound, for some reason in my little head, I imagined that was the bass guitar, because I knew what a guitar was. I knew that the lead guitar was playing high notes and things like that. But me being a bit special and thick in the 80s, I considered that the bass guitar was doing the other thing. So I picked that up and quickly found out I was wrong. Um, Although, you know, now it's the fashion to have an exceedingly overdriven and saturated sound. So Maybe I was right. I was just looking into the future. Who knows? You were
1: miles uh, <laughs> ahead of your time.
0: Yeah, but at the time, uh, bass was kind of only distorted if you were doing something wrong. But now we, we we live in a world of freedom where bass can be distorted. So yes, the world changed mm. for me, which was nice for it. Nice of it.
1: That's so good. I, I love that the reason you play bass is... Because I thought it was M- Misinformation.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I put two and two together and got three. <laughs> uh, I love it.
1: I just, I had to ask that first because it's such a nice starting point. It kind of um, sets
0: the tone for me as a bass player,
1: you know. Uh, it, it just <laughs> sets a wonderful tone. Um, so, okay. Uh, I was contacted um, a couple of months back by a fan on instagram Mm -hmm. and he he asked me about my reasons for playing drums like Mm. how i chose it as my career uh, or even if i chose it as my career if it just happened kind of thing and uh, i asked this question to mike mallion the other day but my my answer to that question i I posted it in a blog post uh, because i felt that it might reach and help more people than me just replying to him on instagram i might be able to go a bit more in depth and put it out there makes sense and i think it's a good question to ask podcast guests because everyone's probably going to have either a a very similar answer or a very different answer mike's Mm. was kind of along the same lines as me but he went a little deeper um but my answer was basically that my, my parents were very supportive um of me growing up um and I was therefore just enabled to have this creative freedom. And I, I, I didn't see any limitations within that when it was presented to me as, you know, yeah. a career option. Or it mm-hmm. maybe it wasn't even presented to me as a career option. It was more, you can do this if you want. So yeah. I was wondering what your experience of that was like as well. You know, did, do you always know that you were going to be a musician or... Has it been a conscious decision or effort or something? Like what?
0: I've never where's it come from for you? chosen specifically consciously chosen a path. The the interesting thing is that I've have been a part of performances in very early life and it became mm very normal, natural for me, and something that I felt I had to do, even at a really early age. Like, I, I, there's, there's photos of me performing before I can remember. So I don't remember those specific, even the specific years that the photos are taken of me. Now, that may be due to my condition more than it, my being super young, but I was also super young, and I'm right at the front performing in front of people at like the Royal Festival Hall in London. So, I was always doing something musically. So mm. it just felt that I had to. There's always an empty space if I'm not performing. It's like if you have a, if you ask the a conversation, if you have a conversation with Akkull and ask a similar question, he may say, and in and you're talking about the topic of performance, he may say that he actually prefers being in the studio and writing than he mm-hmm. does to touring. And that is a very alien concept to me because performance is about sharing and experiencing something together with the people in that room. And we're super lucky that we get to have that experience everywhere throughout this world there's there are very few countries where we don't have an audience that is wanting us to play there you know even africa there are places in kenya where we have some fans and for us to be able to share what we do and to experience what how they enjoy and if um, consume the music that we're sharing is something that is very rare in life for a lot of people, I think, having spoken to a few people that aren't musicians, that they find what we do alien. And yeah. I, I honestly, I find the life where you don't have this massive, it's not even an ego thing. It's It's almost like a, a nutrient or a vitamin or a mineral, you just feel lacking when it's when you're not performing or when you're not working towards this. Now, it may just be Mm. because we've been doing it for a long time and you just become accustomed to it and we are perhaps addicted to it. And so we have withdrawal symptoms. But it's not even an ego boost because I spend most of my time on stage concerned about technical elements. And it's only very rare that I get the chance to relax and I certainly never let the ego come into it. So I'm not actually sure what it is that was instilled in me at such an early age that has left me with this plug that constantly needs to be filled um, in adult life. And I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm very grateful for how that came to be because it was very much... My mother pushing me when I was younger to go towards that. She never pushed me to do it. She said, You're, you seem to have some form of attitude towards this, so I'm going to do some research and work out and point you in the right direction for this to be something for you to uh, explore and see what happens. And she was definitely a big reason as to why i'm doing this and why i am what i am and i'm exceedingly grateful for that and i I think the home life that we have and it sounds like you've had a similar thing where Mm. the support isn't just from people going oh that's really good but it's from people being excited about you discovering things yourself uh being energetic and infused for you to do something like this rather than saying that they're proud because I don't think that necessarily helps but I think having the energy themselves to go out of their way to spend their downtime helping you do this or taking you to school on a Saturday as it was for me and things like that at an early age to ensure that you have the best chance of of either making something from it or discovering that you come to the end of a cul-de-sac it's it's mm. probably that that really helped um us become musicians rather than any amount of um encouragement shall we say or uh yeah platitudes it's 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 quite an interesting thing when you really spend time thinking about it as to where where you ended up where you are because it is often the smallest of gestures that enables you to follow that path
1: it really is that there's a handful of decisions well i mean you could mm. go a, a, as yeah. big or as small with this as you want but there's things that happened years and years and years ago yeah um that if you trace back you're like wow that is the single thing that had i not done that then i wouldn't be here now you know if i want to talk about the where tesseract are right now working on album five um i couldn't say that i'd be in this position or living in america no um if i hadn't received a a small keyboard on my third christmas. Yeah. You know, it, yeah, and little it, things if little to go back like that. that far. <laughs> it's it, it comes down to that because it was it was uh my parents nurturing something that they yes. thought i may have which turned out to be true. Yeah. Um and offering kind of endless support. Um but why i i think it's a lot more difficult if you haven't had that support and especially i mean we're yeah. also lucky because the the place we come from enables us or at the moment at least um to fairly easily tour a large fairly uh affluent part of the world yes and yeah um it's far more difficult for Bans in other places to to get
0: out there. Even countries like Australia, it's insane how expensive it is for them to get out of Australia. And it's it's fat. It's it's wonderful to think about how, yeah, like you say, how lucky we were that it. it even within the British scene, you can just skip out of Britain and go to France, for example. Or you mm. used to be up to for our the whole of our lives, and that's all we've ever known. And yeah. Some of the even before we had released an album, I think we'd done shows in Holland and Germany, and Portugal. Portugal, yes, Portugal, yeah. eleven or ten and a half years ago, or yeah, something like that. It's 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 amazing, isn't it? Longer than that, yeah. That's um, was that our first
1: it was chaos emergente festival (laughs) in porto or somewhere near porto in yeah yeah. uh, it it was a long time before one i want to say that was probably 2008 i think we went to chaos emergente
0: yes it was actually because we had just played bloodstock like in august and then i think we in september we went to portugal yeah wow
1: I remember feeling like that was the biggest thing <laughs> ever because it's, I mean, up to that point, it was, you know, we were a a band. I mean, I'd only ever known practice rooms and a couple of small UK shows with any band that I'd ever been in. And all of a sudden I was in a band that was going to Portugal to yeah. play a show. It's like, okay, it's great, isn't it? this, yeah. this is good. And then you get, get there and it's a basketball court um, with a stage. But it was great.
0: <laughs> it was. Yeah, it's it's amazing how. <laughs> uh, there's a thing in that's always very. It's a, it's a widely used phrase, which is, in in the uh, financial markets, which is that a, a good trade pays off straight away, and it was odd with Tesseract because it was exactly in the same. Our Time and our effort that we put in, immediately paid off in an international realm for mm. us. It it gave back so much immediately, uh, instantly, and we've been kind of chasing that momentum ever since. And I think mm. that's that's a sign of a a good thing that it was right place, right time, and hopefully we can just continue on the up. Just we you know without even having to make a massive leap in any point. Uh, we can just mm. keep focusing upon what we do, how we do it in a in a way that's sustainable because our initial leap was enough to propel us onto the international scene in a way that an awful lot of bands struggle to draw, capture for years in their career. So I, I, I think that's it's quite a fascinating uh when you do look back and you look at the the position we were in and that it was almost things like a nascent burgeoning internet community that created what we do mm. uh gave us the scene and gave us and bands like Animals as Leaders and Periphery a chance to escape their local communities mm. And have a It interview. all happened
1: at a very special time. It did, yeah.
0: Yeah, the timing was excellent. And I don't think anybody could have foreseen that, really. It was just something mm. that bubbled up. It's great.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. Um where this I'm just kind of going off on a bit of a tangent just because of where the conversation mm. is going. But where do you want to talk at all about your vision for Let's say the production vision of where you see this going because you, it's fair to say that out of everyone in Tess, you have a um, your laser beam is focused very much so on production, um, stage production, the artistic uh, production of the albums. You've, I mean, you did the artwork for one, as far as I remember, it was all you, yeah. Um, you've found and commissioned the artists for Altered State and Polaris and for Sonda, you designed the uh, the solar system uh, the the graphic for the front not necessarily thinking about album artwork but in terms of like stage production mhm where do you what what's your vision like have you got a vision like what would you like to see as an audience member at a tesseract show
0: well that's the exact approach isn't it what make what 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 when you come to a tesseract show? What I ask myself the question: What would I wish to see if I was in the audience? How would I feel that the show would complement the music? I, I mean, the the audio is one thing. The audio is also something that is definitely. Obviously, it's an integral part and how we present that and how we, the systems that we have that people can't see, how they are used is also integral. But it's, it's mm. interesting that the production elements came about more through friendships that uh, were developed whilst we were on tour. And then an interest in, in that opened up a part of my brain that really focused upon allowing the little things that just... I have moments of sparks that happen and they create very vivid images very quickly. And it's a case of trying to get those down as quick as possible. This happens with music as well, and it drives me absolutely fucking mad because I'll... It it happens when I'm relaxing as well. So yeah, when I go to the shower, for example, I'll be in the shower, and I've got no way of putting this down. And it's not even a case of writing it down because it's like there's a whole song is in your head, and then okay. by the time you've got sat down in front of the um, studio thing, you've got it kind of starts to mush and kind of fades away, uh-huh. and goes behind a screen a Especially bit. Especially
1: if you're not super fast. Yes, totally. With- the uh, yeah. w- with the workstation. That's my issue. As, as yeah. soon as I've got the idea, I'm like, okay, let's try and do this, and I try and get it down, and I oh, exactly. do something wrong, and I ah, and it's gone.
0: Yeah, and you're you're chasing the echo of a song that has already turned a corner, and it's just yeah. Christ, where's it gone? But yeah, the um the stage show is interesting because I've I've always pushed for us to reach further than we think we can and for us to aim higher than we feel we should be aiming for. Because Mm -hmm. simply put, we will then, even if we don't get there and we drop by about 20, 30% in evaluation of it, it will still be pretty intense because we're firing quite high in the first place. I also feel that there's something about the music that, uh, it, it lends itself to a show, a theatrical show, almost something that is bigger and greater than what we could do if we were just on stage. I mean, now that I've said that, it sounds a little belittling, but I, I don't mean it like that. I don't mean that. Gig, no, I know what you mean. Gigs aren't interesting, but I feel that after you've performed. A certain amount of gigs you want to really push a different side of yourself mm. and it was the friendship with mike saint-jean of Devon townsend project fame that got me interested in working with video now it was one of our first tours in the us and it was in like the third week of the tour i spent a night on their bus and that night was actually spent with me and Mike just chatting, just exploring technology for some reason because we both realised we were both somewhat geeky and that we found these things interesting. And I was already looking at how we could make our system very small and control everything from a sequencer because that was my educational background. And he was Mm. showing me these things that he was doing the same, but with video and it was a very early age of video at that point as well and this has just expanded and spiraled out of control and throughout the years we've spent pretty much every day just sharing ideas with each other to the point now that these have become the things that we wish to action upon and and visualize things that we will then go oh my god that would be Awesome, if we could pull that off, regardless of whether or not it's artistically has merit we we mm. almost are getting to the point where we want to do things that are a technical challenge, like our last the Sonder production was fairly intriguing. It was about trying the the concept was to try and make the show larger than the venue or to, and to take away the, your memory of the venue and replace it with the memory of Tesseract. So the boundaries of the venue disappear. And I think in many respects we did that because mm. speaking to people, audience members, they've said, I've never seen this venue look like that or I've never, I couldn't imagine that you could have done that with the space that you had.
1: Yeah and now it, we it's an odd yeah sorry I was just going to say it's an odd thing being our side of this as well mm. when you're on stage because I've seen videos and images of of the shows yeah uh, that appear on Instagram or wherever the next day and you're like wow that looks great yeah but, and then and especially the festivals that we did last summer with the uh, the contrasting backdrop that kind of trippy exactly, looking thing yeah, yeah. It, it, it just looks fantastic but from our side it it (laughs) looks the same you're you're, you're blind blinded occasionally by a light Um, it's a very odd thing but I'd love for there to be some interaction with things on stage Um, and I'd definitely like to not to uh, inflate a head but I'd like to create something of the drum riser as, as the drums are the only thing on stage yeah um to To do something with that, I think would be fantastic. Um,
0: That's also part we're, of the reason why we have such a, why we push our production because because of the technical, the way that we approach our audio elements. Everything's off stage except for performers, and in your case, uh, your instrument is there in front on stage at all times. So it it creates, it it forces us to do something as well, which is quite interesting, which I I love invention being, uh, the necessity being the mother of invention. I love that having a reason to do something because there's a shortfall forces you to be creative and find those things. And yeah, I mean, as we get further and further into this, we're going to find more and more interesting ways of creating a stage setup that could easily Mm. be doing something interesting with the drums. And we've already tried to, you know, we're flipping it at an edge. um, Yeah. The diamond riser was cool. Just to give it something slightly different. And, but that, doing that as well gave us another shape to play with another part of the stage to play with because we now have a different shaped stage to other bands so it's it's quite interesting that these things as you sculpt something there's a knock-on effect and particularly when you take something away sometimes the space is larger than you intended like us not having any cabs on stage all of a sudden we have this big empty space but that big empty space is a really intriguing, dark canvas to paint upon. And mm-hmm. I, I love it. I love having that space. It makes our show look bigger in a weirdly yeah. um, counterintuitive way, especially on a performance on an outdoor stage in the middle of the day. It's really weird. Like if you, If you get the backdrop right, all of a sudden you look bigger than the band that had an inflatable... Um, skeleton on yeah or something like that yeah Um, we've just named two bands without naming two bands I I really wasn't shit talking about them I was just I found it interesting
1: (laughs) it was crazy I mean some of the production that these bands take out it's phenomenal isn't it yeah it really is Um, literally I can't remember the band now
0: Sabaton was it yeah I mean look at Sabaton they put a Fucking World War II trench plus, plus a tank. A on tank stage. on stage. The drum yeah. riser is a tank. Yeah, it's piss funny. That, <laughs> that's it's amazing. It's so good. A monomorph is a tank. A monomorph of a Viking boat. A Viking ship. They also have two massive <laughs> statues on, that get rolled on stage. That's amazing. Uh, I mean, it's kind of funny, but. I want to do something like that. I want it to be a theatre show. If you ever go to yeah. the West End in London or even, say, Broadway in New York, and you see a show that has some form of animatronics or something, it's incredible. And in fact, there's one particular effect. There's a, a You've heard of the show Wicked. There's this mm. incredible lighting effect that they do where they spray water. So there's like a mist above the stage and they fire a projector into that and it's magic it's absolute magic and Mm. for a good five minutes i had no idea what they were doing and then kind of figured it out but i would love to do stuff like that you know because that's we could then create holograms yeah that'd be huge yeah it's just incredible really cool
1: one day yeah money money yeah if anyone's listening to this that is rich um we can definitely make you see your money yes (laughs) and you'll get get guest list for life and we'll send you a couple of free (laughs) t-shirts so um okay something that i like to tell me uh, sorry something i like to tell people who um ask me for advice when they're starting a band so they're right at the start mm. or maybe they've just come out of a band and or you know it wasn't working for him or whatever yeah um is that the world is a very small place and this the more that we or my experience of it the more that we've toured and seen these places and made friends in all of these places um you're only ever basically an in-flight meal and a couple of movies away from a, a tour or seeing your friends on the other side of the world you know it, it really does shrink the world um is there anything that you'd say to any creative person whether it's a artist or someone trying to start a band that's that's at the start of their path really or m- maybe actually designing it for for the musician you know someone that's looking yeah. to start a new project what advice if any would you give to someone at that stage
0: Never chase a scene, if that makes sense. Don't try to be... Well, this is a weird one because you should always, especially with music, you should do what you enjoy. And if what you enjoy is embracing a particular scene of music, fantastic, that's really cool. But never try to become a part of something. Never do something or make decisions about your music to fit with a current trend because it's a short term investment for you it's one of those things that it may pay off immediately but it's a it's a long plank it's it's a short plank you're walking off basically if you do that and you're not going to necessarily develop something that will last you for a career, which is your own voice. Now, your own voice may not attract that much attention at the start, but if you just keep going, especially with the way things are now, with uh disse- there's a democratic dissemination of music now, it's available to everybody. So, you may end up having fans ten thousand miles away, and you're doing what you love in a fashion that is sustainable and will generate a career rather than chasing something that will have no fan base in twelve months' time mm. but the you know the the other side of that is if you enjoy that chase and it's what you really want to do, then you should probably consider doing that as well. It's a really tough thing, but my own personal belief is that your own voice will take you further. will give more back to you and will cultivate more happiness in the long run.
1: Yeah. I think focusing on what it is that you enjoy and yeah, especially I'm discovering this, even in the last, I mean, the last year or so, um, is mm-hmm. the creativity in in any shape or form if you make time for it the the dividend that you get back from it is is far more than you put in like the yeah. it's it, it just it nurtures something very very deep and mm-hmm. I, I, I've I mean I was only talking to you guys the other day about this I'm the the way that Tesseract works um, historically, really, is a- Ackle puts down the lump of, of music. And then for me, that includes drums. And then I learn the stuff that he's put down yeah. and just try to humanize it. And um, because of that, there's been an element of kind of, a, for want of a better word, imposter syndrome. You know, I'm. I'm um, playing these yeah. drums that a computer has played because and it's it's therefore almost an impossible task. Um but in trying to like in in learning the album 5 stuff so far and yeah. trying to get my head around even some of the older songs that we've never we haven't played on stage before um reinventing some of those parts and getting more familiar with uh, the like cubase and the the tools that can turn a, this drum kit behind me into mm-hmm. uh, into music for you guys like if i just go down that rabbit hole and put time aside yeah. you know a couple of hours a, a day into doing something like that the the fog clears very very quickly and you i think if people were to spend more time focusing on the creative side of what they enjoy and putting that out to the world and less necessarily on (laughs) trying to make it make money for them in the short term because they want to quickly get out of a situation that isn't desirable, like working a job that you don't like or whatever, you know, you, you you have to, at the beginning of anything creative, it's, it's a long play. Like it's definitely something that you're going to do, well, hopefully, something that you're going to do for a long time, and in our case, in our case, it's something that we have been doing for a long time. You know, Tesseract's coming up on how many years now? Like thirteen years together, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: it, it actually, I think it's fifteen, which is fucked. And we started doing <laughs> shows <laughs> in two thousand seven, oh, I think.
1: Yeah. Oh, and, wow. with, you know, without
0: being uh, flippant or without being too cliche, it has flown by. It's, and it's intriguing that, that, that this journey did kind of start with us all doing things that we liked. And then we hit this mm. bump where we did kind of chase things a little. And I feel
1: that... Probably because it was all very new and it seemed yeah, like, yeah. oh wow, this is a huge opportunity. Yeah.
0: Well, um, yeah. I guess guess we uh, wanted to be a part of what our peers and friends were doing as well. Yeah, it's um, certainly the, we, the bands that we wanted to emulate were doing things that aren't naturally what we do, which is intriguing. Yeah. Uh, the things that we do really well are surprisingly uncredued. Cool, but they're very, they're very re- rewarding, and they're very detailed and deep. And it's, yeah, it's, it's. I, I wish we'd listen to the, the uncool dude at the back of the room sometimes. Who's going, that's really interesting. You know, it doesn't matter. That's a really that it's,
1: bad way to talk about our sound engineer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, it's. Um, don't don't worry about whether or not the crowd are slam dancing as the kids say it's you know you just go for it just enjoy that uh, introverted introspected music that you're playing because it's it's going to take you a lot further
1: yeah yeah and that's kind of we we talk about this you know after after pretty much every show there's always a a bit of a debrief once people have got bored checking their phones (laughs) um of like Everyone's like, oh, how is that for you? How is that for you? And everyone has a different reaction. But mm-hmm. that kind of thing, we, we all very rarely agree that it was either an amazing show from our perspective, not, not talking about crowds, but from our perspective, the energy going through us during that show was either high or low or somewhere in the middle. Yeah. And it's very rare that we all say that was amazing um, or that was terrible. Um, it's very rare that it's always terrible, that it's terrible, to be fair. But one thing that is true is that regardless of what the crowd or how the crowd is reacting, you can enjoy the show. You know, if you're playing in some some areas in Europe, um, not naming names, you can name names if you like, um, some of the crowds are quiet. Yeah you know some 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 of them like to stand there Belgium. and witness the Belgium there you go yeah, they like to witness the, the show but the
0: thing is it's it's odd at our level with our type of music so you know it it's it's, it's funny you can't cat, you can't just broad broad stroke a whole country because it's like we just did yeah um <laughs> it's it's we should probably expect that The thing that we loved about performing when we were younger, which was having a crazy wild crowd, is not the thing that our crowds probably are now. Now, they definitely are in some countries, but, for example, in Belgium, they're normally quite nuts. It's just the people Mm. that want to see us, they want to enjoy the show in their way, and then they'll clap Mm. after and really come up to you and say that it was the most incredible thing ever. It's just that they don't lose their shit in the pit. Yeah,
1: (laughs) that's, that's, I mean, that's really it. I I went to um, see Periphery and Pliny when they came through Austin the other week. And it was at uh, at Emo's. Awesome. They've played there a couple of times. Really good venue. Um, They've done some more with the acoustics in there. Like there's really cool stuff for either side of the stage now. Um, And I mean, the energy's, high throughout most of the show especially peripheries performance as you might imagine Definitely, yeah. and but the the section of the crowd that are doing the uh, like yeah you yeah. know the crazy energetic stuff there are more people in the venue um on the periphery um, that are <laughs> uh that are watching i was watching you know i was i was there with yeah. bailey and a couple of friends and we were we were watching the show um, And I could honestly say it would be my worst nightmare being in the middle of the mosh pit. <laughs> I, I can't imagine anything worse. Yes, I mean, I think
0: it's <laughs> great, but I, I think it's very easy for a band to perform for the first 10 rows when in fact mm. the majority of the iceberg of the audience is the other 1,800 people that are in mm. the venue. So perhaps you you have to try and get a good balance i mean yes it's fun getting that bounce of energy back from those people but mm. you're forgetting the people in the darkness out there yeah you know the, the majority of the audience have come to see something different uh, to watch mm. something to listen to something and become in our case become a transcendental goat and trip out whilst listening to our music <laughs> if you're that I'd person love to be a
1: transcendental goat
0: <laughs> if you're that person in the audience that zones out completely i promise you we will all notice you and we will all talk about you after not because we're taking the piss it's just because it's really interesting <laughs> i find it really fascinating that you've got this super loud music i mean Obviously, we try wherever possible to make things sound good, but it's still pretty loud, and you're just mm-hmm. zoning out, and you're just—you look like you're um, off your face, and it, it's amazing. Maybe
1: they are off their face. True, perhaps there's they a are. good chance yeah. that people that are the goat are—they've they, <laughs> taken something to uh, to open the goat gate at the uh, start of the show. <laughs> That's probably what's happened. Um, but I mean. There are there's a mixed reaction or oh, there are mixed reactions from the crowd during the show. I mean there'll be um people cry which yeah. is it's hard to under,
0: not understand but it's, it's difficult isn't it because you don't know how to react in many cases. Um yeah. So it is I think yeah.
1: Maybe I mean maybe it is just an accumulation of the things we were talking about earlier. I mean the we we've been very fortunate to work with very talented sound engineers um, who managed to get even, you know, the places that haven't got top-notch PAs to sound pretty good. There's very few of those these days, but they they do still manage to make the best of the situation with the PA systems. Um, And then add that, or combine that with the lighting design that we've had uh, and the music, and it's probably quite a decent experience for folks that maybe don't go to shows like this very often i hope so and i
0: I hope we can keep pushing that envelope so people walk away from it and go i didn't even think that was possible that's really cool you've given me something to enjoy on a visceral emotional and energetic level but you've also just given me a treat for uh, my senses totally and that's where I really want to take everything I want to be the band that you talk about and go wow did you see that show simply for the yeah. reason of it's it feels like an artistic achievement and like I was talking about earlier the technical achievement of actually pulling that off is very rewarding and it, it you realise that hard work pays off the yeah. Method behind it and the discipline to create that show over and over again is something to aspire to for me personally.
1: Hmm. I like that. I also like that we've got a brand new t shirt design, The Transcendental Goat, <laughs> which you'll be able to pick up very soon, I'm sure, on Tesseract's merch store. Um, what would you consider to be the most difficult aspect of doing this? It can be anything.
0: There, there, financially, it can be quite difficult from a point of view of instability. It can be very hard for a lot of musicians at our level to balance everything and to experience a normal life with a family. I I think that could be one of the hardest things. Another thing is also realizing that your life is not everybody else's life and it can be quite hard to slot yourself back in to a a life when you're off tour. I see a lot Mm of our friends struggling with the effects of this. So they, they end up, mentally a little frayed. They suffer from depression when they're off tour. And it can be quite hard n- not being able to help them in any more fashion than just saying, hey, are you okay? Um, yeah, The thing's shit today. And that's sometimes being those three little gray dots on uh, Messenger are really important for people when you're actually typing back, uh, yeah. when somebody's said something to you, um, or even in just on WhatsApp, whatever. Just being a a voiceless set of photons uh, <laughs> seems to really help people. So I think I think perhaps the instability of finances and general mental well-being are probably the toughest things to deal with
1: yeah that's it's interesting that you've gone there because that's literally the next kind of the question that i've got mm. after this um because i agree completely with what you just said by the way that, that you your answer would have mirrored mine but i'd probably said it less eloquently um i the the financial instability is the big one because you you never really know what's going to happen like even when we're we're given a yeah yeah we're given a projection at the beginning of something and it can be vastly up or vastly down at the end and there's no way of doing that until you've you've spent those one two three months away doing it Mm. um which in the meantime you know you you're fully in this thing you're not you can't really juggle, I mean we've tried i mean James does it very well with his business and i've I've tried to do it before, but um doing something on tour that isn't the tour doesn't enable you any time to recover, no. so it's it's a very difficult thing to try and uh, spin all these plates um it's something that i've I've discussed on the podcast before, but the importance of um like physical and mental health on the road and off the road. It's not exclusive to that, but that's become something in the last couple of years for me, which is so much more important than it's ever been at any other point in my life. Um, I can't really tell you why it's just crept up on me in the last couple of years. And I, I have to do things like, meditation and some kind of light exercise and some kind of creative thing and reading there's all these things that I do now which help to get you know just get through that and yeah. uh, clear the fog for want of a better word Um, is there a, can you speak to that at all is there anything any solutions that you've found or any oh sorry Wow, Siri just told me that she speaks any languages. That's good. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Siri. That's that's awesome. Nice. Thanks for jumping in. Um but yeah, is there anything uh, any rituals that you have on or off the road that help you? Anything that you enjoy that takes you out of the moment if you're feeling particularly shit? Um
0: On tour, I have to create one element of routine because everything else is not routine. Now often that'll be me and quite often somebody who's not in the band uh will go off and find somewhere for coffee and Mm. the, the process of doing that allows you to escape the the chaos for even half an hour and you be and you become very focused just on that and It also means that you see a little bit of where you are because it's quite peculiar to get off the bus, turn up at a venue, and that's all you see. There are Mm. so many cities around this world that I've been to but I've never experienced. Uh, So it's really nice to, even if it means you get out of bed before you feel ready, which is every day for me, I'll be up like two hours before everybody else and we'll go somewhere for coffee, like myself and uh, Mike, for example, are, uh often LD. Or when Aidan was with us, we'd go out and find coffee. Or and like our tour manager recently. And it's really an essential part of decompressing before you then throw yeah. yourself in and just focused very very focused on everything throughout the day working it's it's essential to have that especially time off the bus or time mm. away from the airport yeah, time off or, the bus
1: yeah just the only thing you want is a tour bus when you when you're a band <laughs> yep. that is traveling around in cars and vans that yeah. smell of the last band that was in them. Mm-hmm. Um, you're like, Oh man, I want a bus. And then when yeah. you've got a bus, I mean, yes, you, you want the bus as your, I need to not be in this venue for a little while. Yeah. Um, and it's raining outside and it, I can sleep on this thing. This is nice. Um, but getting off that bus in the morning, um, you're yeah. dead right. That is so good for you to not be on that bus. Um, yeah, it is odd though. Those the the thing that you think is like because the, the, getting a bus for me was like uh, it was a huge stage in our career. I felt like you know when you when you bus touring that's yes. massive, and then kind of like the rest of it, it all feels like um like the childhood dream for want of a better word. When when one of these things happens, you've immediately ticked this box, yeah, which. Which once you've done makes no difference you know what i mean it it doesn't make you feel a different way once you've done it you you're no, no. you you're no different before and afterwards you you're just continuing and that's i don't know i guess that's what that's one of the things that i kind of have i don't know if that's been something that I've struggled with a bit where i'm i think that i have done what I thought this was, not implying that I'm leaving Tesseract here, but no, like I'm no, not leaving no. Tesseract. But it's, it it's
0: it's it, I've had very similar things. I you remember the prog awards where we've won the best new band thing. I yes, remember I was speaking yeah. to Barley um from Basic. Basic Records and uh various other things that he's got on um, and I, I mentioned to him, I was like, so this is, these are all the career things that you're supposed to do. You're supposed to have toured internationally, have uh, won an award, had some videos out. And I was like, okay, great. Now I've only got musical and creative accomplishments. This is really mm. cool. Um, but then I sorely regretted thinking that because I realised quite quickly that if I wanted this to be a career, there were lots of other things behind the scenes that are completely non-rock and roll that Mm. you need to accomplish to make this a life instead of a half life. And so it becomes all your emotional and physical investment is, becomes concrete in giving you a life and a wage and giving your family that hope and paying them back for all the time that you spend away from them. So it's, it We've is, got very patient families. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But it is always the hidden things that are the real, have the real impact in your life, which musical life, I should say.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, let's take things in a lighter direction. 'Cause I mm. I'm twist twisting things into like, oh my god, it's the worst being in the music industry. It's really not. You you get to see the world even if you do see it through closed eyes most of the time. Yeah. Um but you you get to meet friends everywhere. And that's that is the crazy thing. You know, I'm I'm not halfway around the world, quarter of the way around the world from you guys. Yet a bunch of my buddies rolled through town the other day and I got to go and see them. And for that night it was exactly the same as if I was on tour it's yep. the same same feelings come you know it's just a it's a feeling it's a nice feeling um so i'd like to try and recall for our fans because i can't do this with anyone else um other than members of tesseract some of the most fun and ridiculous ex- experiences that you can remember and i'm, I'm, I'm on, not good on at and this. off the road i, really, I know but, really
0: don't uh, remember the the fun rock and roll crazy times. Because I, I look back at them, it's as fucking a shame. You know, and it's like, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. The, there's there's the, things that are funny, but I don't. I don't know. I, I, the, like, I, I tend to keep certain things in a crystalline memory, which are yeah, to do with experiencing nature, and it happened to be whilst we were on tour together. And that's something yeah. that I'm going to hold with me for a very long time because it clearly speaks a lot about what's important to me and mm. experiencing as much of this tiny little moat of dust that we call home as possible before mm. I have to leave it. So it's li- the little things like that are really cool. You know, things mm. like the Grand Canyon and.
1: Yeah, that's top of the list. It's, it's so up good. there and it's
0: going to stay there. It's the, the the funny crazy things are kind of sorry to be boring, but they're they're funny and they're crazy there and then, and yeah, um, they're, 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 I I swear I I've forgotten most of them, and I need somebody to poke my memory for me to then yeah. go. Ah, oh, yeah, I, I recollect that. That's quite cool, you know.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, most of them for me are honestly from the. Earlier years of international touring, and it's not even so much um, funny stories as it is that they were very new experiences. So they're etched, they're etched kind of deeper into my memory. the The memories of the bandwagon touring and bus touring, uh, the they blend into one bigger memory, one overall memory of time rather than a specific, unless there was an, a night where it was like, oh, do you remember this place where this happened? and Then some of those memories get recalled. But yeah. touring in that tiny van uh, on the first US tour, coming and picking, I think it was you, James, and Dan and Christelle, I think, yes. up from the uh, Vancouver. Seattle? Was it Seattle? That it, it was... Somewhere on the west me and Ackle had flown into LA and we were driving up yeah, yeah. the west coast towards Vancouver. And I don't know if it was Vancouver or if it was I don't know if you did the border with us or not, but um that's I, remember,
0: weird, I remember, yeah, that's weird.
1: Like that tour just piling into some great a single times. motel six. Yeah. At, <laughs> Having to line up. Like, <laughs> well, that was brilliant.
0: Though. That was, I think that was Washington. And we actually stood in a line. <laughs> and, uh, how do you convince somebody that you are one person? <laughs> and there were six of us. <laughs> we got the one key and they uh, all kind of fanned out like the many arms yeah. of Shiva. <laughs> and it was just like, what the hell? <laughs> it was just it's nuts. It's the only way, though. <laughs>
1: there was like, I think we were on, we were getting like $150 a night or something. Yeah and like try and make this tour work so we're going to get the cheapest motel we can cuz we're not sleeping in this van no and no. <laughs> literally to do that we'd get one room and i mean but th- those memories for me i've got li- literal memories of like pumping up airbeds oh, on yeah. motel floors yeah, and it's oh. but, but it's
0: a element of camaraderie it's trench yeah um the community spirit bonding as you're going through hardship, but you're all experiencing it together. And again, overcoming what we saw as unsurmountable odds at the time, which was Mm. driving across a continent. But then now that is every day, you know, it's, it's,
1: Although we're not driving, no. Well, this is the good thing. W- yeah, <laughs> th- th- that was. Although it was an experience. I mean, we drove ourselves three times. We did um, yeah. first tour with Devin Townsend. Second tour was protest, which was a much longer tour. It was like eight weeks. Yes, that was nice. And then uh, the between the road and me tour, we were in an RV, uh, yeah. and <laughs> I-, I mean, all of those are amazing experiences and i'll i'll hold them close forever, yeah, but now we 're in a bandwagon. we obviously don't drive ourselves so the the one thing though with not driving yourself is you miss out on a lot of the amazing scenic yes especially drives. you know when when
0: you're in the country like at the u s where between yeah. cities is phenomenal it's a yeah, oh it can be yes yeah
1: the drive from uh Austin to North Carolina. But Christmas was a little bit <laughs> drab. It, was, it was a lot of uh, windies the barbecue and spots, cracker you could barrels. Have joined
0: when stopped on on the roof, <sighs> you know. <laughs>
1: Tell you what, there's there's some there's some funny looking places and some very questionable billboards on that drive. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love it when you uh, come out of
0: Florida and enter Georgia, and. Billboards are just fucking nuts. You know, it's just. Yeah. Like, okay. 1 800 Jesus. All right, then let's go for that one. Yep.
1: Let's <laughs> give Jesus a call. Cool. But I've got, I've just got a lot of fun memories of those early years yeah. and a lot of very crystal clear images of for sure. very drunken band members and <laughs> including myself. I mean, the ones of myself were a little bit more blurry, but um, yeah. Okay. Well, I do a little bit of a quick fire round during these podcasts cuz okay. i think it's fun <laughs> um it normally gets really stupid and That's fine. i i've i'm i've made a shorter list on this because i think these are kind of relevant and not too stupid
0: cool sounds good
1: so and you can go into detail they don't have to be one word answers so here we go what is your dream tour <laughs> alive or dead
0: well it's quite funny because i had two conversations at this going on in my head um the one one voice was talking about the bands that i wanted to tour with and the other voice was talking about it being financially successful <laughs> Which is I, I um, g-
1: imagine that finances aren't a part of it and perfect. that we have okay. uh a, a a money tree
0: yeah i mean to be honest it would be going on tour with bands that i grew up listening to i think and mm. I, I think mainly because i don't get out to see what's going on at the moment so the you know the most contemporary band that's impressed me recently would be Kajiro. and mm. i can't say that i've seen many other bands at the moment so i'm, I'm that's the cool thing about festivals by the way cuz you, you get to see some other cool bands in terms of what would be a great bill you know it's it's surprising i'd i'd like to go out with some pop bands and some i, I would love to have been on tour with prince for example that would have been amazing mm. Uh, but also, you know, bands like Deftones would be amazing. I'd just enjoy it every night. I'd enjoy watching the music every night. That mm. was something that was great about that Devin Townsend tour. I enjoyed watching Devin every night. It was something new. Then yeah.
1: he's a different comedian every night, yeah. which is amazing.
0: It's it's fun to be that entertained by your work. It's, it's intriguing. So, yeah, I'd love to go out with... Say Tool Deftones Ramstein Prince. Um, yeah, maybe Meshugger as well because they're fun every night. I'm yeah. trying, I'm trying so to think. I could of, watch them every night, yeah, it would be cool. Um, maybe somebody like Bjork as well, though, no? because the stage show is oh, incredible yeah. and it would be. A batshit festival tour, but it would be fun for me. And um, we'd be on first so we could then relax and enjoy everybody else.
1: Yeah. Good answer. Shanghai or Hitchin? Shanghai. <laughs> Primitivo or Chateau Neuf de Pep? Primitivo. Boon Mariage Parfait or Rodenback Grand Cru? <laughs>
0: Probably back because it's a more chilled drink. Mariage Parfait is, you you can't do it all night. Well, I can't anymore. It's, you just, it fucks you up. <laughs> so let's, um, let's go for the um, Rodenbach Grand Cru.
1: It's basically champagne, that's yeah, why. It's that's <laughs> true. It's messed up stuff.
0: Four strings or five strings? I kind of like four at the moment. I'm really enjoying four strings. They're kind of cool. Um, If I had to choose four.
1: Okay. What's your base at the moment
0: that you're playing? Yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, I've been working with a company and we've been designing something new, Mm. which is interesting. I've I've been speaking with them and it's it's a prototype. And yeah, we'll see how that comes out. Um, I'm, okay. I, I'm not, I'm kind of committed to it because I enjoy playing the other things that I've got from them. But at the same time, I'm not committing to it until there's a prototype finished. Um yeah. That's fair enough. It's more for them as well. They want to get it right. Uh, but I'm, I'm having the most fun playing out old music. With these, uh, with these bases, it's really cool, really exciting Mm. for me to sit down and to walk away from a practice session with a big smile on my face.
1: Yeah, that's nice. I like that. I've I've been really enjoying um Mm, jamming lament
0: uh, v kit.
1: Oh man, it's it's fantastic. The my experience of electronic kits before, yeah a couple of years ago. um, I I got to try a Roland Mm TD-25 during a session that I did with Toontrack. And that was great. You know, I was like, wow, this is, okay, this is leagues ahead of the the things that I played in the past. Um, Which was, I think it was a very, very old Roland or Yamaha kit that I had years and years and years ago. Basically to learn the Tesseract stuff back in the day. Um, And I have been fortunate that Roland wanted to work with me, so they've given me a nice deal on this kit behind me, which is a TD-50KV, which is kind of their flagship kit. And it's it's just a beast. Um, it's awesome. It, it's, it's the closest I've come to um, acoustic kit, the feel of an acoustic kit. And I think that's mainly due to... The things being a bit more of a realistic size, for want of a better word, because like the, yeah. the the snare's fourteen inches, you know that's a snare, that's my snare. Yeah. Um. It the toms are ten and twelve inches. Uh. The, the ride cymbal's eighteen. You know, it's it's a it's a big kit, uh, awesome. but it takes up a much smaller amount of space, obviously, than a real kit, and it's a lot quieter. Um. But it's enabling me to play stuff into the computer do live streams and also, just I could uh, I don't do. know if
0: this is something you've thought about but I'm really intrigued by the acoustic possibilities of yeah implementing and augmenting a live drum kit with not just a pad but um, you could have like a second snare that's just the uh, Roland one or the yeah. or even like a particular, if if we have samples that we know work well, like sounds, that like you're not just triggering a mm. sample but actually playing a pattern. Um, you know, we could have one or two pads. I'm just really interested in the concept of having extra, well, augmenting the drum kit.
1: Yeah, Roland would love that as well. Um, when when I first started talking to them, yeah. the one of the main areas of conversation was around um, hybrid yes, kits. That's so, you the, know, people exactly that use word, a bit yeah. of both. Hybrid, yeah. Um, I'd, I'd honestly need to work with the rest of you guys, probably specifically you really, to to um, visualize and realize the, uh, the application of it because the way that it's always worked for me is acoustic drums and tesseract. And my... my hmm. My knowledge of the tech side of things is limited. You know, I, I've not really dug down that rabbit hole very far, um, which has caused me months worth of technical issues with trying to do live streams. Yeah, totally. But um, I'd I'd be up for trying to realise a way of using this. It'd be fantastic to use both live. Um, might need a drum tech if we're going to start doing that kind of stuff. Need one anyway. conversation. Need one anyway. Yeah,
0: it's at the point where maintenance is vitally important, and you know, it's not even about having somebody do stuff for you. It's about having an an expert ensuring Mm. that your instrument is as good as it can be each day. That's the especially with like you can you can almost get away with it with drums in some sense. You can't. I, I feel that you have to spend a lot of time on a snare drum each day. I think that's vitally important. Um, mm. Guitars, just the electrics alone, start to degrade uh, if they if you don't look after it every day, um, mm. which is something we are guilty of, and it it just means that stuff starts to get damaged, and yeah. you're halfway through a tour and your cymbals are cracked, or because. They were, you know, there was a rush to put them away or I don't know just something you didn't notice happens to a mechanical no. element and it falls apart and then it's good to have somebody that is that's their job, your job is to play and play well and their job is to help you do that by looking after your instrument it, yeah. it, it's, it's not big headed or anything like that and I think that's probably a, an attitude that's We need to overcome a little. If we've got the money to do it, there's a reason why that job is there.
1: Yeah. Give me two seconds. I really need a piss. I'm glad we're not doing this live. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to leave everything going. Sure. Shoes or no shoes? No shoes. Any reason?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I had another one of those moments where there were two conversations. (laughs) um for some reason financial and <laughs> for some reason some part of my head just went it just feels better and then the other side of my head went that sounds like you're talking about condoms and it's just like what the hell come on and
1: then we've got our soundbite for the yeah, podcast right fair there enough. <laughs> um Noel Edmonds
0: or hugh grant hugh grant because he's fucking funny on twitter if you um He's, he's a man of the people, for sure. He's a champion of the people, I should say. I'm sure he's an idiot in all of his uh, special ways, being a famous film star and that, but he's also mm-hmm. a bit of a um, privacy champion, of obviously. And mm. I think he's done a lot for politics at the moment, for helping spread quite a good word online. And it was mm-hmm. unexpected to see that... And a bit like James Bond, he's he's a bit of an ass, but he's quite funny online, and it allows you to see a different side of things that are questions you may not ask yourself.
1: Hugh Grant visited Canuck a few times for political rally type things. A rally is hilarious. Canuck, what for? Well, though? I don't know. <laughs> uh, Better not be. Britain I didn't never first. go, but it, it it was. Oh man, yeah, imagine that. Um. Japanese or Italian food,
0: both at the same time. It can be done.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I I'd, I'd do that, or both on the same day at least. Yes, for sure. Top or bottom bunk,
0: always as top as possible. I don't know why. It's just weird. I have to. I can't. I can't sleep when I'm beneath somebody's other bunk. Really, don't know what it is. I want you fair to be enough. fair. I can't sleep on a fucking bus anyway, most of the time. <laughs> uh, do you remember that bunk
1: on the um, ah the uh, B- Between the Buried and Me tour, the first one that we did with Elliot? You had the bunk that was like above the driver's cab yeah, on that RV. That was And rough. It, it kept on leaking and then
0: freezing, like the yeah, water would freeze on in the
1: inside of the. <laughs> yeah, that, that was crazy. That was, that was weird,
0: that one. Yeah, it's um. There was a bottle of water by my head that had frozen solid at one point when we were in Canada. Oh um, man, just insane! And when you think about it, all that was between the cab and outside was a sheet of metal like that. It was yeah. You were basically outside, and that was thick. Yeah,
1: I remember seeing um. Uh, there was a photo or a few photos of. That those same exact RVs that we <laughs> had on that tour um, that Silosis took out on tour and they God. their driver crashed it because yes. they, they were trying to I think mm. someone in front of them swerved out of the way but they were about yeah. to collide with this thing that, like, that was parked like an 18 wheeler and the fortunately the driver's side was okay because he would have just been killed yeah. but the uh, the passenger side completely caved in, and that bunk area that you were in just Fact. gone. Yeah, yeah. And all—I mean, all of the guys suffered some injuries from that. Um, but yeah, that's that's not not a concern sometimes on tour. But I think the drivers that we uh, work with now, or the companies that we work with now, um, I've got way more confidence yes. in. Yeah. I go to sleep rather than waking up airborne, worried <laughs> that I'm like yeah going off the edge of a bridge somewhere um Neve SSL
0: I'm more comfortable with SSL's top end but Neve can be more fun because I feel like you have you have to work harder to hide your shit tone I feel like the they show you more of your of what you're putting into it. Whereas mm. in my experience with SSLs, they're really good at giving you a, a more high fi sound. Um I don't know. If I'm if, if we're working with um maybe if we're mixing SSL is more fun and if we're tracking Nevis better. I think in my limited experience, anyway,
1: your limited experience is far more vast than mine. So, um, you have two choices: no wine allowed for one year, or no coffee allowed for one year.
0: I can do without wine.
1: Yeah, you'd have know the coffee. Mm-hmm. But you, where you're living now, where wine is on tap, <laughs> I've discovered I
0: dislike French wine. <laughs> Oh no! It's all really metallic. It's but the, the region that we're oh. in. There's it's it's volcanic, so it's just heavy iron deposits everywhere, and mm. it means. I mean, there are some fantastic wines, but they're very expensive. So the majority of wines that we're having are just not our taste. So we mm. we drink more Italian wine, for example, or portuguese or spanish
1: wine Mm. fair enough those are my short little questions that i've got for you i haven't asked you any bunch like a stupid long list of pointless would you rather eat crayons or chalk or anything (laughs) weird like that um so the last thing really is um if there was anything one message that you could get out to the entire world everyone would read it hear it see it whatever, everyone gets it, what would the message be?
0: I've discovered or I've found that it's far more successful and interesting to not dwell upon what People do, but why they do it or what people say, but why they're saying it uh to sum it up I think that there'll be somebody smart from the past probably said something like um i've actually that's a thread I can't even think about I can't remember i, I had a quote on the tip of my tongue, but it's um it's decided to disappear in the black hole of my brain at the moment. So yeah. Happens
1: with me all the time.
0: Don't focus on what, but why.
1: It's fair enough. Very controlled. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> that's your answer. That's your answer. It's a nice one. Um, okay. Well, before I go and, carry on with my day and you carry on with your evening what's little is left of it mm. is there anything else that you'd like to share uh any words that might help people along their path or anything you'd like to promote or mention um, at all no
0: just thank you for everybody's attention and enthusiasm for not just what i do but what Um, myself and my family have been doing which is fantastic I'm really it's very encouraging to know that the hard work means it's not even that it means something deep to people that it just entertains people that it's really cool Mm. that that is a thing for other people in their life that the, the noise that we make and the art that we make is of interest to other people is amazing so thank you for that that's i will always be eternally grateful for that and i can't wait to make some more noise and draw some more scribbles and hopefully they won't be as interesting and will mean as much to you as they did to me when i was creating them or when i was a part of the creation process
1: that's great i like that a lot cool well, brother, yeah, mon frère. Um, thank you for joining me. It's um, fine. That's a
0: pleasure. Should um, work out more things like this. They're good fun.
1: Yeah, I, I enjoy doing these. It's a nice little, um, nice little break in my day to do something kind of creative. Yeah. Just catching up with people because we we catch up all the time in tesseract facebook conversation but we very rarely get on (laughs) actual calls video calls with each other and look at each other's beautiful faces when we're not on tour so right Um, enjoy
0: texas i I hope everything's safe and sound over there um there's some crazy shit going on about a thousand miles north of you at the moment with tornadoes and that but I don't, yeah i saw that i think i think you're nice and safe in texas actually especially where you are in austin yeah. i think it's quite sheltered so yeah um, it should be all right yeah man. I mean keep safe cool. well. i'll see you in on 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 the american continent soon in a couple of weeks au revoir, mm. <laughs> au revoir <indeed. laughs>